Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you guys waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. The options are endless with Factor. Two-minute meals. Fill up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. How about some snacks, some smoothies, and more? Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is also the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. And you guys can be very flexible with your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the most important part, there's no prep. No mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping. There's no cooking or cleanup that is needed. If that sounds great to you guys, head to factormeals.com slash script 50 and use code script 50 to get 50% off. That's code script 50 at factormeals.com slash script 50 to get 50% off. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Why has Triple H been so successful? Why is Triple H running WWE better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard on Monday and Friday night? Long-term booking. What is going on, guys? Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is your Monday Night Raw post-show for January 2nd, 2023. I'm your host, JD, from New York. As always, coming to you live from the beautiful OTS venue. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on your Monday evenings, wherever you may be. I hope you guys had a very happy new year. Celebrated in style, celebrated in fashion, celebrated safely. Thank you guys so very much for making 2022 the biggest year of the podcast yet. And hopefully we could do the same thing and make it bigger and better than ever in 2023. And it's all thanks to you guys. I love you. Thank you so very much. And thank you for joining me on the first live stream of 2023, man. Also, 
Thoughts and prayers go out to every one of my OTS VIPs who is a Buffalo Bills fan. And thoughts and prayers out to the Buffalo Bills organization tonight for what had happened on the field this evening. Uh, They canceled the game between the Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, which was the right thing to do. Uh, I know uh, I actually was thinking about the situation with Owen Hart and, you know, with something that dire and nobody knew what the fuck was going on uh, with something that dire. They got the news right away uh, during the broadcast. I, I don't know why over the edge that year Owen had passed and left us did not get canceled, you know, and they did the right thing for canceling the game tonight. I don't give a shit what anybody says. Uh, the player's health and the player's uh, life is more important than a fucking NFL game. So uh, thoughts and prayers out to everybody there. If you're a Buffalo Bills fan and a part of the Buffalo Bills organization, it's a scary thing. But I just read that he's uh, he's breathing on his own, and more than likely he will end up being okay after this scary incident. So uh, thoughts and prayers out to the Buffalo Bills organization for that scary moment, man. What was scary was that the hype of Monday Night Raw was just that, all hype. You know, if there's one thing I'm not going to change about anything that I do on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Friday, no matter what show I cover, man, I'm going to give you exactly how I'm feeling about anything that happens. This is my platform. If you guys want a podcast for yourself you go and start your own fucking youtube channel and you give your one viewer your thoughts on monday night raw okay i'm not saying monday night raw tonight was bad i expected a lot more for monday night raw being that this is the first show of the year being that we are now on the road to the royal rumble the holidays are behind us i needed a little bit more excitement and i don't know what the fuck wwe is doing For all three hours of this show, it seems like they got the beginning. The beginning of Monday Night Raw down. They know how to generate excitement and generate buzz. And I'll get into that in a second. And they know how to give us a main event. But the in-between on this show, man, I mean, I, I just can't bring myself to fucking care about anything that happens on this show. Now, you may be dumb and follow everybody like, a pack of lemmings online because one fucking check mark says it's good and they're gleaming positivity about it and they're trying to fucking act all high and mighty and, and smart about Monday Night Raw, right? These journalists. Monday Night Raw was not a bad show. It was not a good show. It was one of those shows that really just exists. And by this time next week, You're not going to really give a shit about anything that happened on this show tonight. In as many words as I can tell you, that's exactly how I feel about Monday Night Raw. Come next week, we're not going to give a single solitary shit about anything that happened on this Monday Night Raw because, ladies and gentlemen, we got nothing. We got nothing. Outside of an Alexa Bliss heel turn with more theatrics and fucking spooky, eerie garbage... I didn't really see anything of importance happen on this show. Was the wrestling and the in-ring action good? Yes. Most most weeks it is good. But I'm not really gauging the Monday Night Raw on the in-ring action. They got some of the best fucking performers in the industry on this show. But 
I can't sit here and tell you that was an exciting show tonight. They started the show off with the bloodline. And I love how the bloodline, and anytime bloodline's on TV, it's it's just better television. They're the best group in all of pro wrestling. If you don't agree with that, I mean, go take a walk. The bloodline makes any show better. Sami Zayn, the Usos, Solo Sokoa. Solo has been fucking booked brilliantly. I, I love what Triple H is doing with Solo Sokoa. They started the show off and we got the theme song, the entrance, or the, the intro, I should say, to Monday Night Raw. The entrance of, or the intro, rather. I don't know why I'm calling it an entrance. The intro to the show uh, popped up on the screen right at 8 o'clock. We got the theme song playing. And before we even get to the conclusion of the theme song and the intro, the bloodline had cut the show. So the production truck cut the intro, and the bloodline was attacking officials and staff around ringside, and they were threatening to take the show hostage. It was at this point Kevin Owens came out to confront the bloodline by himself, and he was going to go to bat for the roster all by himself. Then Adam Pearce came out, and officials came out, and security came out, and then the locker room emptied, and the locker room stood up for Monday Night Raw because the bloodline is SmackDown, and they were invading Monday Night Raw, their show. And the bloodline threatened to hold the show hostage. This was, I don't want to say NWO-like. I guess there was some semblance of what the NWO used to do back on Monday Nitro in WCW. But it was a hostile, quote-unquote, takeover of Monday Night Raw by the Usos, or at least an attempt to. And that got stopped by the locker room on Monday Night Raw. That's the type of stuff that I've been asking for. If you guys have been watching me, that's the type of stuff that I've been asking for, man. I've been asking for unpredictability. Where is the raw in Monday Night Raw? Nothing about this show is raw. Nothing about this show is unpredictable. Nothing about this show pushes the envelope. Where exactly is the raw in Monday Night? It's not existent. At least with the bloodline doing something like that, causing havoc, destruction, destroying ringside. They're upset about what had happened on Friday night with John Cena and Kevin Owens. It was a beautiful progression of what happened on Friday night, and they should be angry. They should be riled up. John Cena came out of nowhere and kind of became a party pooper for the bloodline. Great. Sami Zayn is upset because now he feels that he is going to be a target by Roman because Roman had not lost a match. Now, he didn't get pinned on Friday, but Roman had not lost a match in 834 days since Friday, and he lost that match, and Sami Zayn is now responsible for Roman Reigns losing his first match in 830-plus days. If you don't think Roman is going to be upset at Sami Zayn, you got another thing coming. So, yes, they wanted to prove their dominance coming out of Friday, which I thought was great. I thought that was fantastic. Great stuff. It gave us everything that I've been asking for. It gave us the Raw in Monday Night Raw. Great. Then we get into the Alexa Bliss and Bianca Belair championship match. What was the one thing I told you guys in regards to Alexa Bliss and why she was getting a championship match? It's not about the title. 
It was never about the title. It was never going to be about the title. It was always about Alexa, the character. Alexa, the gimmick, her transformation from babyface to heel. This was just a pit stop for Alexa Bliss on the road to transforming her character from what we saw all summer, all fall, and now going into the winter, this is going to be Alexa's new transformation. It was never about the Raw Women's Championship. Now, the match itself, I mean, I don't know who the fuck you think you are, but I know a good match from a bad match, and what I saw was not anywhere close to being a good match. Honestly, it devalues Bianca Belair. If you're asking me, honestly, I think it devalues Bianca Belair. Alexa Bliss moves around in the ring as if she does not want to be there. I don't know if she forgot how to wrestle. She didn't know how to wrestle to begin with. But seemingly, she's getting worse. It almost comes off as if she doesn't care. The match sucked. The match sucked so bad that they recreated a scene from Scary Movie 3. That's how bad the fucking match was. I don't know who came up with that, but again, it does not really make Bianca Belair look good or look like a credible champion for Monday Night Raw's women's division. The entire story about the match was Alexa Bliss and her transformation. At the end of the match, there was a random fan around ringside. Both ladies were on the outside. And a random fan shows up, standing right by the barricade, and he's wearing what looked to be an Uncle Howdy mask. He was wearing a replica Uncle Howdy mask. I'm sure they're selling them on WWEshop.com. So she turned around, she looked at this guy, and then she walked away. Same guy, right, moves to the opposite side of where the ringside area was. He was on one side of the commentary table behind the barricade. Then he moves to the other side because Alexa Bliss had taken Bianca Belair over to the other side and he's standing right there in front of Bianca Belair and Alexa Bliss. Again, Alexa Bliss looks at him. This time she's in the ring and she looks at him and she sees him as she's standing on the top rope about to go go for a Twisted Bliss. All of a sudden we see the moth-like Bray Wyatt logo flash on the screen and She's having these seizures in the ring and she's holding her head and she's seeing these visions. And all of a sudden, she gives the referee a Luthez press and starts swinging fists at the referee, ultimately getting herself disqualified and ruining her chances of winning the Raw Women's Championship. She beats up, Alex- uh, she beats up Bianca Belair, does Alexa Bliss, and leaves Bianca Belair a bloody mess on the outside and walks away. So much so that the crowd in Tennessee, in Knoxville, Tennessee, where Bianca Belair finds her hometown, they were chanting one more time after Alexa Bliss delivered a DDT on steel steps to bloody the Raw Women's Champion. So there you go. That's how stupid the fans in Knoxville, Tennessee are tonight. I don't know who exactly likes this. I don't really know who's interested in this. I don't know why we're going back and doing the same thing that we did the last time with Bray Wyatt. First of all, I have loved the Bray Wyatt storyline with 
LA Knight. I think Bray Wyatt and what he's done up until this point has been captivating. I think it's been interesting. I think it's been the right amount of continuation to get you to watch the program to see what happens next. Who's Uncle Howdy? What, who's who's un, gonna be unveiled as Uncle Howdy? What new fucking persona is he gonna come out with next, right? What's Bray gonna do next? What's Bray gonna say next, right? I am a little bit more of a realist. I don't trust anything when it comes to the theatrics of the Bray Wyatt character. First, we're getting a pitch black match. Do you not think, do you not think about what had happened before with Bray Wyatt in this current version of Bray Wyatt? Are you not concerned that they may make the same mistakes again? What did I tell you about Bray? The theatrics are what ruin the gimmick. The Bray, human Bray, that we get without Uncle Howdy, the human Bray that we hear on the microphone weekly, that's the Bray that I want. That's the Bray that I appreciate the most. Stripped down, simple presentation of Bray Wyatt. Putting them in a pitch black match at the Royal Rumble screams, hey, we're about to make the same mistake again that we did with The Fiend. It's a fucking advertisement. An advertisement for a fucking soda by Mountain Dew. The last time WWE did this type of advertisement, The Miz was being eaten by fucking zombies on pay-per-view. And you know how well that went on social media. WWE was ridiculed for weeks about Miz being eaten by zombies in a match against Damian Priest. These advertisements and these fucking shilling-for-product-type matches don't really bode well. For WWE, they never end well. I don't know why anybody would be interested in watching a pitch black match. Two wrestlers wrestle in pitch black darkness on pro wrestling TV. I don't really get it. Now, we don't know what the fucking match is going to be. But why would anybody be excited about that? I'm more worried than excited. Same thing for the Alexa Bliss situation. This is where I was going with this. The Alexa Bliss character, where she turned into the Harley Quinn of the Fiends gimmick, it ruined everything. It ruined everything. You don't think I remember Alexa taking over the entire fucking act and adopting the Fiends powers? What are we going to do here? Are we going to go right back to feeling the same way? Or are you going to fake excitement about Alexa Bliss going back and turning to the dark side? using magic and these fucking supernatural powers to turn heel. I don't think this is needed at all. You want to know where Alexa Bliss thrives? When she's a heel, bitch, Alexa Bliss. When she's the goddess, Alexa Bliss. I don't have any fucking interest in seeing Alexa Bliss turn back to being evil, an evil doll who comes out with Lily the doll. I don't... I don't want to fucking see this again. You're asking me to care about something that, and now, granted, we don't know where it's going to go. We don't know what type of presentation she has, but, I mean, based off what we've seen, nothing really is different. Nothing seems to be heading in a different direction. I don't care. I don't. 
I don't want to see Alexa Bliss back with Bray Wyatt. I want to see Bray Wyatt move as far away from what had happened the last time he was here as humanly possible. Because everything that he was with and surrounded by fucked him over. This is not going to bode well if they end up pairing her with any part of the Bray Wyatt lore. I don't care. And it's lame, it's cheesy, and it just comes off as if a fucking four-year-old wrote it. I don't care. How could you care? You're a grown adult male looking at a female fucking hold her head because she's having seizures in the ring because a fucking logo of a moth and a guy wearing a fucking mask is standing at ringside supposedly hypnotizing her and causing her to see visions. I'm sorry, folks. I'm sorry, folks. I'm a 40-fucking-year-old male going on 41 on February 6th. I want adult, grown-up television. If I wanted this sort of fucking terrible storytelling, I'd go watch some F-flick fucking movie on sci-fi. Shit sucks. And the wrestling in the ring is not backing up anything at all. In fact, it's bringing Bianca down to the fucking sub-levels of garbage that this storyline is. I'm sorry. Bianca Belair, in many aspects, is your pro wrestler of the year for women's wrestling in 2022. And you have her out there reenacting fucking scenes from a fucking god-awful movie of Scary Movie 3. You know how many scary movies I've watched? One, and that's the first one, and that's it. Yet they got Alexa Bliss. They, they legitimately got Bianca Belair holding up her palm, and Alexa Bliss is like fucking flailing her arms around, trying to fucking get to Bianca Belair. Who wrote this garbage? It is so fucking, God, it's so fucking terrible. God, this shit sucks. This shit sucks. It truly makes me think, if Vince is still in charge of creative. That's how fucking bad it is. Awful. Awful. It's like I'm watching a fucking circus on Monday Night Raw being contested for the Raw Women's Championship. Then you want me to take Bianca Belair serious? How could I? There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The other big thing that happened tonight is I love the continuity with Montez Ford because of what happened to Bianca where she was beaten up by this 
evil possessed Alexa Bliss because she looked at somebody wearing a fucking $4 mask that he bought at the fucking concession stands. I love the continuity of Montez Ford because he took that concern into his match where he teamed with Kevin Owens and he wrestled Sami Zayn and the Usos, six-man tag. He was concerned. His mind wasn't in the match. His mind was not in the match before he did get in there and do what he needed to do. But ultimately, his concern for his wife was what ruined him to eat the pinfall tonight. I like that shit. I like that shit. We all know that Bianca and Montez are a couple. They're married. And I like the fact that they showed some humility. They they showed some hum, uh, they humanized Montez Ford tonight. And he was not the overly exuberant Montez Ford that we usually see because he was fucking concerned for his wife who got beat up. So I like that shit. The continuity was very good. Austin Theory and Seth Rollins for the United States Championship. This was great. Absolutely great. I mean, I don't know what else to tell you about Austin Theory. I mean, I've been praising Austin Theory since his fucking days on the black and gold. I'm like, this is the guy. I can't wait to see him grow. I can't wait to see him thrive. This is the guy. And he's gotten better. Every single fucking month, he's gotten better. This is the best version of Austin Theory that we have been given up until this point. And the fucking scary thing is, he is nowhere even close to being done. The growth is just unbelievable. That's still yet to come. Seth Rollins has been fucking great. I hope he's okay. Some people were saying that Rollins had injured himself tonight in that main event, a legitimate knee injury. I hope that's not the case because we just had AJ Styles go down at the WWE house show in Hershey, Pennsylvania over the weekend, part of WWE's holiday tour. He broke his ankle. He's going to be out how many months now? He may miss WrestleMania. We don't need AJ and now Seth Rollins being out. That would ruin a lot. Imagine if Rollins missed the Royal Rumble. Man, that's a big fucking blow. Because Rollins, especially in my fantasy realm, I'm booking Cody and I'm booking Rollins as the final two men in the Royal Rumble. I'm booking Rollins to come out at number two. I'm booking Cody to come out or one or the other. Rollins come out at number one, Cody to come out at number two. And they last all the way until the end. And it's up to them to see who goes to WrestleMania. Rollins not being in the Royal Rumble, man, that is a huge fucking blow if that is the case. I hope that's not the case. But some people were saying that he threw up the X sign for the referee to come out tonight after the match was over. I saw some footage after the show was over of Corey Graves getting up from the commentary desk and helping him to the back. I hope it's not the case. I'll find out more, and we'll do an extra tomorrow on it and uh, see what we got on Seth Rollins. But great match. You know, I know a lot of people... You know, it's either John Moxley or Roman Reigns for Wrestler of the Year in 2022, right? Those are easy choices. You can't have a top 10, and you can't have a poll for best wrestler in 2022 and not include Seth Rollins. He's tremendous. He's been so fucking good. He's over. It's going to be interesting to see the dynamic when Cody comes back, but they work great together. Matches like this make the United States Championship feel that much more important. And I love how they work together, man. It was a great match, especially down the stretch. And if Rollins was injured, man, he wrestled his fucking balls off with an injured knee. 
doing that frog splash off the top rope, attempting the stomp, and eating that devastating A-Town down at the end of the match. I mean, I thought the match was fantastic. What a great main event to start Monday Night Raw. Austin Theory retains, as he should. I thought there was going to be outside interference of some sort, but Austin Theory cheated with a low blow because the original referee went down, and then shenanigans happened with the second referee, which allowed Austin Theory to get the low blow on Rollins and get the A-Town down and score the victory and retain the United States Championship. I thought we could have seen Finn Balor or Judgment Day or Hurt Business. Uh, I'll talk about Hurt Business in a little bit. Uh, I figured we could see uh, Bobby Lashley at least, right, in the main event. Maybe a Cody Rhodes return, which I don't think would have been great, especially with this crowd in Knoxville, Tennessee. But they killed it in the main event, and good for them. The future is bright with Austin Theory, man. I love it. Absolutely love everything he's doing. This this version of Austin Theory is so good, man. The confidence that just jumps off of him is so good. He is such a good heel, and he's going to become an even better heel. He's just got that natural fucking, I hate this fucking guy, and I can't wait to see him lose, man. That is the making of a great heel right there. All in all, man, Monday Night Raw, it, it sounded like, you know, it was a decent show. It, it wasn't a bad show. It's just everything outside of what I just talked about was just there. We've either seen it already, or it was a rehash of something they did previously, or just shit thrown together just to 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 fill three hours of Monday night. So we're going to get into the breakdown. We're going to talk about this ridiculous rumor about John Cena versus Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania, which would be uh, something that I would love to see. Don't get me wrong, but not at WrestleMania. I think there's a time and a place to do that. That time is not at WrestleMania 39. So we will go over that rumor and everything else we need to tonight on the Monday Night's Raw post-show, man. Thank you guys so much for joining me. Let's get this year started off right, man. Seriously, there's a couple of things I want you guys to do. Number one, I want you to hit that thumbs up. Hit that thumbs up. 584 likes in the chat right now. Let's try the minimum here. The minimum nightly. Every time I'm live is a thousand. So let's try for a thousand likes minimum right here on OTS. Let's get those memberships in, man. I'm going to start the year off right with the VIPs, man. If you guys want to become a VIP, hit that join button down below or click the link in the chat. Nightbot will have you guys covered with everything I want you guys to check out. My sponsors, subscribing, social media, becoming a channel member. Hit that join button, man. Become a channel member, a VIP, right here on Off The Scripts. You guys get emotes, exclusive emotes, available only for this channel in the live streams, in the comment sections of all my videos. Plus, you guys get badges next to your name to show off your VIP status as you maintain a monthly subscription. Awesome stuff, so hit that join button. And get those super chats in, man. We'll hang out. At the end of the show, with our cold beverages, as always. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. I got a phone call tomorrow with my design team over at Deviate Designs. My boy Nick and his team, they will be beginning 
the newest design for 2023. This is the first of a few that will be done this year. My mother's basement is becoming a reality. We'll be conducting the podcast in my mother's basement. And I can't wait. It's going to be so, so, so good, man. I can't wait to see you guys in my mother's basement right here in the OTS venue. It's going to be an extension of what you guys see here. And it's going to be great. So I got my phone call tomorrow with Nick. We're going to go over the design plans and how we're going to hash that out. You guys are going to get a view like you see me now right uh, on screen. And we're going to get the opposite view as well, man. So it's going to be great. I can't wait. Make sure you guys go check out all the other videos on the channel, man. There's a ton of videos, ton of live streams, ton of YouTube shorts. Go check all that stuff out. Keep in mind, I'm going on a little uh, getaway on Thursday. I'll be flying to, believe it or not, not uh, Nashville, Tennessee. I'll be in Nashville for uh, three days. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I'll be back on Sunday. But uh, I will be conducting the Friday night SmackDown stream from Nashville, Tennessee. So uh, I'm going to be uh, very excited to do that. I'm renting out a podcast room. Uh, I don't know if I'm taking the uh, venue with me, but we'll figure that out as the days go on. And make sure you guys hit up my sponsor for tonight's show, man. Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. Code JD at checkouts. Make sure you guys go check them out for your free sample. All you have to do is pay the $5 shipping and handling. That's bluechew.com. Code JD at checkout for your free sample. Monday Night Raw opened up with the bloodline, like I said. They actually interrupted the intro to Monday Night Raw. Sami Zayn, Solo, Sokoa, the Usos, they were climbing over the barricade at ringside, tossing around security and staff. Uh, By the way, uh, I need to get this out there, man. Here is your weekly Kevin Patrick fucking sucks comment of the evening. This guy is terrible. I don't know. I don't know how they have lasted this long with Kevin Patrick at the play-by-play position. I, I, I don't get it. The guy is absolutely insufferable to listen to. He sells nothing. He emits no excitement for anything. And when something big happens, he lets out a big oof. Oof. I don't know who's worse. Him with the oofs or Vic Joseph on Tuesday night. Like he's having a fucking orgasm on Tuesday nights. Every big move. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. I need a get him out for Kevin Patrick this week on Monday Night Raw. So, Sami Zayn is in the ring, and the bloodline tipped over the announced desk, and they declared that they were taking over and running Monday Night Raw, taking the show hostage. Kevin Patrick on commentary is... I don't know. He's not selling this at all. Awful. And they asked what the bloodline was doing there because, you know, they're not really regulars on Monday Night Raw. Kevin Owens, not Kevin Patrick, Kevin Owens' music hits, and he walks out. Sammy told Owens not to open his mouth. 
He said they're not in a very good mood tonight. Tonight is a hostile takeover of Monday Night Raw for the bloodline. Owens didn't seem impressed or intimidated by the bloodline. Sammy said it's true. And it's because of Kevin Owens. The reason why they're doing this is because they're angry at him. It's all his fault. Owens says he thought he had something planned to say here, but I don't, and I forgot it. I got this microphone in my hand. I don't know what the fuck I got to say. But all I want to do now is punch Sami Zayn in the face, he says. So Adam Pearce starts running out with a microphone. He's yelling at Kevin Owens, stop, stop, stop. Kevin Owens, stop right where you are, stop in your tracks. He's out there with several security guards. They walked out, they were yelling. And Adam Pearce says that they've let all these guys get away with this for far too long. He says they're going to leave the ring and do so peacefully. He told security to escort them out of my ring, he says, and get them out of my building. So Adam Pierce basically gave the bloodline a get them out. Gotta love Adam Pierce, man. So these security guards tried to get into the ring and escort the bloodline out of the arena. Solo said, uh, no, fuck that. And he beat up all the security guards. And Owens stood with his arms crossed next to Pierce before finally deciding to enter the ring. Uh, He was uh, basically beat down four-on-one here. This was complete chaos. Then the Monday Night Raw locker room ran out, and they cleared the ring. Sammy, the Usos, and Solo Sokoa left the other way. They jumped over the barricade, and Adam Pierce started yelling again on the microphone, saying that, The bloodline is not going to get away this easy. They're not going to get away with all this chaos this easily. He's putting each one of them in a match tonight. And that is official. Sammy then yelled, whatever happens next is going to be all of Adam Pierce's fault. So I thought, you know, this was a fun open. They went for utter chaos. And it was fun. It was fun for what they did. I always appreciate a little unpredictability. I always appreciate a little, uh, you know, chaos to the system, chaos to the usual formula. It's always a great thing to break up the monotony of the typical Monday Night Raw intro and the start of the show. I appreciate that shit. The thing is, we've seen the bloodline do this before. So this is not nothing. This is not something that's new, right? This is nothing new on Monday Night Raw. The bloodline basically did this. How long ago did they do this? Last week, two weeks ago? They did this, and they do this regularly, or have been doing it right. So it's difficult for me to believe in the utter chaos and, you know, dive in headfirst and believe that there's going to be a takeover and there's chaos and, oh, my God, right? It's tough for me to buy into that if we've seen it before. This is not the first time that Sami Zayn, Solo Sokawa, and the Usos have done this. They did this two weeks ago. Last week they didn't do it because there was no Monday Night Raw. They did this two weeks ago. So again, I ask, and you can't really blame me for feeling that way. Why are you going to expect me to buy into something like that fully when we've seen this before? And all they did, what did they do to punish them? What did Adam Pierce do to punish Solo and Sammy and the Usos? He put Solo Sokoa in a fucking Music City street fight 
Okay. How many times have we seen that? But how many how many Music City street fights have we had since WWE started rolling into Knoxville, Tennessee or Nashville, Tennessee, right? How many Music City street fights have we had? I know Braun Strowman's been a part of a couple of Music City street fights with Elias, mind you. We just got done with a 34th street fight. Miracle on street, whatever the fucking match was called. Miracle on 34th street fight. What's new? This is not new stuff. This is not captivating television. We've seen this before. This is nothing new. I appreciate the breaking up of the formulaic start to Raw, but they're not breaking new ground here, folks. They're not really breaking new ground here. I don't know what to fucking tell you, you know? I've seen it before. Try again. Go back to the drawing board and come up with something new. Byron Saxton. He was backstage, and he interviewed Bianca Belair about facing Alexa Bliss next. Belair says she's no victim. She said Bliss can blame Bray Wyatt all she wants, but everyone knows she's in control of her own choices. She said she'll show Bliss that the Raw title belongs to the EST of WWE. Great. So... We're getting Bianca Belair and Alexa Bliss to start the show. It's the opening match. Raw Women's title on the line. Before we got that, Owens, Street Profits, and Elias with Mustafa Ali and others were facing Adam Pearce in the back. And Adam Pearce was scolding everybody. Elias asked for a fight against Solo Sokoa during this show. Adam Pearce granted him a Music City Street fight. Adam Pierce said Sami Zayn and the Usos would face the Street Profits and Kevin Owens. Pierce said everyone else should act like it's a new year and then excused them. It's a new year and it's the same old shit. Another six-man tag with Kevin Owens and the Usos and a Music City Street fight that we've seen time and time again. Nothing new. Bianca Belair. Versus Alexa Bliss, Raw Women's Championship match. This opened the show. This was not good. I don't really know what else to tell you guys. This was not a good match. Bliss lost her mind, attacked the referee, and destroyed Bianca Belair at the end of the match, leaving her mouth a bloody mess. Belair controlled early. Bliss dodged a charging Alexa Bliss. Uh, Bliss, not Bliss, charge a uh, dodging Bianca Belair. It would be difficult to charge herself. Charge into the ring post, into the steel post. Bliss had control until Belair shoved um, her into a vertical suplex. So Belair hit three consecutive body slams, one after another after another. She yelled at Alexa Bliss to get up, hit a moonsault. And Bliss hit a senton off the apron. We go to another commercial break. Bliss at this point had a bloody nose from, I believe, going into the turnbuckle quite stiff earlier on. Bliss was in control with a chin lock. Belair fought out, hit a backbreaker. Belair punched Bliss in the corner. Bliss yanked her out of the ring by her braid over the top rope. Bliss, then, while she's outside, after she pulled Bianca Belair over the top rope by her braid, they're both on the outside, 
she became distracted by a fan wearing an Uncle Howdy mask in the front row. This is the left side of the commentary table by the timekeeper's area. She slid Bel Air back into the ring. She goes up to the top rope. I believe she was going for Twisted Bliss. And this same guy, it might have been a different guy. I don't know. They both had blonde hair. I would assume, I would assume it was the same guy who just moved over to the other side. This same guy or another fan wearing the same mask stood on the right side of the commentary table, right in the front row over the barricade. And she stopped climbing the top rope. She looked at him, and she jumps down off the top rope. The screen flashed with the Bray Wyatt buzzard logo. Crowd uh, popped when they saw the Bray Wyatt logo. They thought Bray might have been coming out. There was no Bray Wyatt on their show. Bliss, all of a sudden, completely freaked out. She gave the referee a Luthez press and started hammering away with fists on the referee. She also went on Bel Air and did the same thing, and then she threw her into the steel steps. Bliss gave Bel Air two DDTs onto the steel steps and walked off. So the first one she gave, and she walked away. And then the crowd started chanting, you know, do it again, and we want another one. I I don't know what was into the uh, Nashville, Tennessee crowd, I would assume that they were on Bianca Belair's side, but uh, they were chanting one more time at Alexa Bliss. Uh, I mean, when the pro wrestlers say the fans are fickle, holy shit, the fans are fickle. So Alexa Bliss walks away after two DDTs. A trainer came to check on Belair. During the commercial break, we come back, and Montez Ford is there helping his wife to the back and helping her up. Now... The referee was attacked, and I I guess everybody assumed it was a disqualification because she put her hands on the referee, but the bell never rang. They never really officially called the match, stopped the match, and called it a DQ. Corey Graves had to go on commentary and say, yeah, the match ended via DQ, but we never got an official statement from Mike Rome, the ring announcer, and the bell never rang to stop the match. So uh, people were asking, well, what was the ending of the match? Was it a no contest? Was it an ODQ? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. So the match ended. Alexa Bliss did not win the Raw Women's Championship. It was never about the Raw Women's Championship. Alexa Bliss will not be winning the Raw Women's Championship. It was about the heel turn. And that's all this was about. I thought this was awful. I thought the match was sloppy. I thought the match was comedic. I thought Alexa wrestled a very poor match. I thought this match actually brought Bianca Belair down a couple of notches. It did not make the Raw Women's Championship look important because Alexa Bliss gave up the Raw Women's Championship and did not want the Raw Women's Championship. She was not focused on the Raw Women's Championship because of visions of Bray Wyatt or visions of The Fiend or visions of Uncle Howdy or the Moth logo. So all in all, this was a fucking disaster. This was a disaster. I know it was about the heel turn, but, you know, there are ebbs and flows here. There are pros and cons. On one hand, yeah, it's about the character. Yes, it's about Alexa Bliss turning heel. But on the flip side, the cons to this are she basically gave up an opportunity to win the Raw Women's Championship because she became possessed 
does not make the Raw Women's Championship look all that important now, huh? Doesn't make Bianca Belair look fucking like a credible champion either when they got her out there reenacting scenes from Scary Movie 3 like a fucking circus. Give me a fucking break. If I want to go watch some garbage comedy, I'll go watch Netflix. I don't want to see this shit adopted in my pro wrestling. I'm not here to laugh. I'm not here to fucking... (laughs) I'm here to watch two women who are supposedly the best at their craft wrestle for a championship in a division right now that is fucking garbage. The last thing we need in the women's division is taking the title and making it look worse. I'm sorry. There's nothing about this that I liked. Nothing. Nothing about this I liked. This Alexa Bliss transformation is already heading down the fucking toilet, and I can't stand it already. There's one thing we need. It's not Alexa Bliss joining The Fiend and joining Bray Wyatt's universe. We need to keep her far away from anything Bray Wyatt because the last time we saw this, it was the end of Bray Wyatt. Kathy Kelly interviewed Austin Theory. He was in the back with the United States Championship and asked about his confidence going into his match with Seth Rollins tonight. He said 2023 is going to be his year. He said Rollins is the past and he is the now. He says he holds all the cards in his hands and he's outplaying Rollins on every turn. He said his forever reign is just beginning. You know who I hope doesn't have a forever reign? Charlotte. She may end up losing the championship at the Royal Rumble just so that they can fast track her to 15 title reigns. We'll have 16 by the end of the year, folks. That's how lame WWE is when it comes to Charlotte Flair. Elias, he's in the middle of the ring, strumming his guitar. He says they're in Music City, and he plans to smash his guitar over Solo Sokoa's face in their Music City street fight. He led the crowd with a Walk with Elias chant. I am very skeptical about these walk with Elias chants. They sound heavily piped in. Now, it could just be me. I don't know. But they do sound heavily piped in with the walk with Elias chants. This is very four years ago. I doubt anybody is this into Elias in 2023. So he was interrupted before he even strummed the note by Solo Sokoa. Thank God. And we got a Music City Street Fight with Solo Sokoa going one-on-one with Elias. It was, as you would expect, a street fight. There are no rules here, and there were musical instruments. There was a uh, electric keyboard. There was a a guitar. I can't even say it. A guitar. There was a drum set. There was a fucking tambourine. Uh, I don't know, man. We've seen this shit. We've seen this shit before with Braun Strowman. Remember Braun Strowman with the violin? He had that big fucking violin he was playing. I mean, this is the same shit. Nothing new here. The only reason why I enjoy this is because Solo Sokoa is a fucking savage. He just beat the shit out of Elias. And I'm here for Elias getting his ass beat, and I'm here for Solo Sokoa look like a fucking savage. That's great. But this is nothing new. We saw nothing new here. So, Elias, he hit Solo with a cowbell and then threw him into the ring post. 
He swung his guitar at Solo. Solo ducked. They fought by the drum set that was right by the timekeeper's area. Elias hit solos with some of the cymbals on the drum set. And we go to commercial break. Back from the break, Solo took over in the entranceway. There was another drum set. There was guitars. There were speakers that were set up. They returned to the ring where Solo gave Elias a big Samoan drop. They fought at ringside again. This time with a keyboard, Elias took the keyboard and started hitting Solo with it. He took control, smashed the keyboard across Solo's back. He went for a cover and got a two count. He even had time to do a chin lock in this match. Wow, man, what a what a fucking street fight, man. Even the Music City street fight can't avoid the dreaded chin lock. Wow. It's amazing, man. It is amazing. So, Solo escaped and gave Elias a belly-to-belly. He went for the big corner Umaga splash, but Elias moved. Elias hit Solo twice with a tambourine that was laying at ringside. He landed two corner splashes and a spine buster. He followed up at ringside by bashing the keyboard across Solo's back again. And then all of a sudden, we got this musician who I've never heard of because I don't listen to country music. Musician Hardy. I don't know if he's related to Matt Hardy, Jeff Hardy, or Tom Hardy. I don't know. I don't know. But his name is Hardy. Country music performer Hardy. This guy looked like a cross between Kid Rock and Zach Bagans of Ghost Adventures. And a little on the heavy side. It's the best way for me to put what Hardy looked like in the ring. So this guy jumped over the barricade and he takes a guitar and he hits Solo across the back with the guitar and he broke the guitar over Solo's back. Now Solo no-sold it and Hardy bailed out of the ring, which they weren't going to beat him up. He is the uh, official theme song for the Royal Rumble. Elias caught Solo distracted with a running high knee. Solo came back with the Samoan spike to Elias as he left off the top rope. Solo slammed Elias off the ring apron onto a grand piano that was laying at ringside. He bounced off of the piano as the legs of the piano collapsed, and Solo pinned Elias on top of the grand piano. This was a pretty cool ending. I thought the match was pretty fun. And Solo, not surprising, won the match as he remains undefeated on the WWE main roster. Now, the guy Hardy, this uh, musical country singer, Hardy, he ran away as Solo Sokoa took the guitar and tried to chase him, couldn't find him, and then he takes the guitar and puts the guitar on Elias' chest and walks away like the savage that he is. They gave a lot of offense to Elias in this match. And I guess that was the only way to make it an even playing field against someone like Solo Sokoa. Because in a normal match, Solo Sokoa is just going to dominate Elias. So this was created to give Elias an even playing field against Solo, where that would not be, you know, normal for him. And Solo ended up winning anyway. And they protected Solo as well in this match by having him come off as the savage that he is. 
And Solo Sokoa's booking has been brilliant on the main roster. He has been booked absolutely brilliantly on the main roster. I love it. Absolutely love it. We go to the Usos. From one Uso to the other. Usos and Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens and the Street Profits. Six-man tag. Again, nothing new here. How many tag team matches have we seen Kevin Owens in against the Usos? Seemingly happening every week now. It's like they're running on fumes with this fucking storyline. I can't wait for Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn to be together to wrestle the Usos at WrestleMania. How we're going to get there, that's the story. But it's not doing this thing any justice, and it's not doing it any favors if we see Kevin Owens against the fucking Usos every single week. He's teaming up with Matt Riddle. He's teaming up with John Cena. He's teaming up with the Street Profits. Teaming up with Gable and Odin. I mean, give me a fucking break. How many fucking people is Kevin Owens going to team up with against the same guys? There is nothing new. There was no storyline advancement here. None. So we got a six-man tag. The biggest thing about this match was Montez Ford. The story about this match was Montez Ford being distracted about what had happened with Bianca Belair. That's why I loved Montez and his role here. Nice continuity. It made sense. So they told the story of Montez being distracted about what had happened with Bianca's concern for his wife. Owens tried tagging in Montez at one point, but he didn't notice or even care enough to make the tag in. So the bloodline continued to beat up on Kevin Owens, and we go to commercial break. Jimmy Uso superkicked Dawkins off the ring apron before Owens superkicked Jimmy. Montez was still just out in daydream land thinking about what had happened to Bianca Belair. Owens went for a tag, so Owens slap tagged him in, and Montez snapped out of it. He fired up, hit Sami Zayn and Jimmy with a flying crossbody before giving Sami a standing moonsault for a cover and a two count. Montez Ford gave Sami Zayn a frog splash, but Jey Uso broke up the cover. Dawkins then tackled Jey while Ford wiped out Jimmy and Sami with a flip dive to the outside on the entrance aisleway. Sokoa, Solo, marched out through the crowd and knocked Dawkins out behind the referee's back. Owens went after Solo, but Jey saved him by super kicking Owens. Montez knocked Jimmy off the apron, but the distraction allowed Sami Zayn to hit a halluva kick, and the bloodline gets a big victory over Kevin Owens and the Street Profits coming off of that disastrous outcome on Friday Night SmackDown where Sami Zayn lost to Kevin Owens and John Cena. He picks up the pinfall victory here to kind of redeem himself to Roman Reigns. So we'll see what happens come Friday if Roman is going to be upset at Sami Zayn. I'm assuming he will be on Friday night. That's what I'm looking forward to. What is the punishment for Sami Zayn losing in that match? Roman had not eaten a loss in anything he's done in 830 days. What is he going to say to Sami Zayn on Friday? It's going to be a very, very interesting dynamic. After all this was over, the bloodline were about to assault the baby faces here, but Sheamus and Drew McIntyre ran out through the crowd and laid out the bloodline. More importantly, the Usos. And I like this as well because it sells Friday's tag team title match. The Usos will be defending the tag team championships against Drew McIntyre 
and Sheamus on SmackDown. Nice. Nice stuff. Dexter Loomis. He went one-on-one with Chad Gable. Filler match. Nothing here. Absolutely nothing here. You know, I said this from the word go about Dexter Loomis, man. Dexter Loomis is a great professional wrestler. He is so good. But I don't really know what they're doing with Dexter Loomis now that this Miz storyline seemingly has come to an end. I honestly think Dexter Loomis would be better as a heel than he would be as a babyface. Crowd is just not into him. There's zero, zero investment from the crowd, zero reaction for Dexter Loomis. I hope he can turn it around, but the fans right now are not budging on giving a single iota of a shit about Dexter Loomis. So... Otis tried to attack Loomis outside the ring. He ducked and Otis hit the ring post. Gable tried to cradle when Loomis re-entered the ring. Loomis countered into a cradle of his own, and he got a pinfall over Chad Gable in about four minutes. Filler. It told no story. It advanced no story. It was a part of no story. It's just filler. How do we fill three hours of Monday Night Raw? Let's throw out a nonsensical illogical waste of time match with Chad Gable. So he eats another L. I hope 2023 is a much better year for Chad Gable. Bailey, Dakota Kai and EO Sky. They were shown walking through the back. They were up next. MVP, Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander were in the background talking to Adam Pierce. Now, what is MVP doing with Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander? This is typical Triple H. He's giving you a segment focused on damage control walking to the ring for their next segment. Meanwhile, in the background, something's going on, and we got a little tease for the Hurt Business joining forces once again and potentially getting back together on WWE TV. Very interesting developments, and this undoubtedly will spark rumors about a Hurt Business reunion in WWE. Now, in real life, the Hurt Business wanted to stay together. Vince McMahon broke up the Hurt Business because he saw Bobby Lashley as the guy, he saw MVP as the guy, but Cedric and Shelton, he thought, were jobbers. And he got bored of the group because he could not stand seeing Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin on TV in the Hurt Business. They ended a very popular group because Vince got bored of the Hurt Business. Meanwhile, the Hurt Business carried most of WWE through the fucking pandemic era on Monday Night Raw along with Sasha Banks and Bayley. Broke them up for absolutely no reason. No reason whatsoever. Now... In November, Bobby Lashley was actually interviewed and he said flat out and vowed that the group will be back together. Someday, the group will be back together. He said the Hurt Business was something that everybody loved and everybody will still love. Never say never. Not even never say never. I will make sure that somehow... Some way we get back together because it seems like right now everybody is getting back into some sort of group in the WWE. There are so many different factions coming together. The most important faction and the one and one of the biggest factions for the last few years 
The one that took us through the pandemic was the Hurt Business. True. Fact. Factual information. During the pandemic, everybody else was staying at home. So many people staying at home and didn't want to go to work. So many people who took a back step when the Hurt Business stepped up. We were every part of the show for a long time. So I think that should get a rebirth, says Bobby Lashley. I don't think anybody's going to really disagree with Bobby Lashley or argue Bobby Lashley. The Hurt Business being back together. Shelton Benjamin, a veteran of the WWE for many, many, many years, still has a lot of gas left in the tank, teaming with Cedric, who's always very good at what he does, adds another tag team to the ranks in WWE, and alongside MVP and Bobby Lashley, they will get over. They will be fine. You align them with Bobby, they are going to be fine. And then you have the Hurt Business as a trio in WWE. Look at the feuds waiting for them. Hurt Business versus Brawling Brutes. Hurt Business versus Imperium. Hurt Business versus The Bloodline. I mean, it's a no-brainer. A no-brainer. If Big E gets back to WWE, which I hope is the case, New Day versus Hurt Business, like it should have been. It just didn't make sense for WWE to break them up. I don't really get it. Now, some of you want Omos in Hurt Business. I I don't know why you want Omos on fucking TV. I don't think these people really know what they're asking for. I tune these people out. Omos sucks. The fuck do we want Omos in the Hurt Business? The only role Omos would play in the Hurt Business is as a bodyguard who stands there and is heavy, is a muscle. You want him in the Hurt Business? No. The fuck do you need Omos in the Hurt Business when you got Bobby Lashley in the Hurt Business? Fuck out of here with this garbage. Hurt Business is best for business on WWE television. Damage control. They're next up. I, I can hear the excitement in the fucking OTS. I, I can sense your excitement, man. Can't wait for me to talk about this damage control segment on Monday Night Raw. Great. Nobody gives a fuck about damage control. Nobody gives a shit about the women's tag team titles either. Bailey and damage control made their entrance. We got clips of Bailey pinning Becky Lynch two weeks ago on Raw after she hit Becky with a TV monitor and hit her with a rose plant. Bailey said, Trashville, Tennessee, and the fans should be proud to be from the city where damage control was born at SummerSlam in Nashville. She bragged about beating Becky all by herself. Becky Lynch walks out, microphone in hand. I said this under my breath while watching Monday Night Raw. It is so great that Becky Lynch is actually Becky Lynch again, and she's cutting promos like we remember, instead of, The little hobbit sees my precious. <laughs> it is a breath of fresh air to see Becky Lynch actually cut a promo. Not very good, but it's normal. It's normal. She's human. And she doesn't sound like some fucking creature in a cave somewhere. She walked out. She said, Bailey is saying the same thing week after week after week. She called her a coward and a fraud 
on, and on, unable to do anything by herself. She said, Bailey feels most comfortable in others' shadows. She said it took years to get out from under other shadows and one year to end up back in a shadow again. She said it's only a matter of time before someone turns on someone else. Bailey said Becky is just upset that she lost. Becky said when she loses, she doesn't get mad. She gets better. She said this all started back at SummerSlam in Nashville. She suggested they end it in Nashville tonight. Becky is there, and Bailey is laughing at Becky. She said she already beat her fair and square. She said she'll volunteer Sky and Kai to face her and a partner of her choosing. Becky says she doesn't have her phone on her, so she can't call anyone, but she'll take them on by herself. And we get a two-on-one tag team match, or handicap match, I should say, against uh, Dakota Kai and EO Sky. Solo Becky Lynch. This went 14 minutes. 14 minutes, and we got Mia Yim. Meechin, which I think is lame. Mia Yim appears uh, and teams up with Becky Lynch. So, obviously... Damage control was working over Becky Lynch until Mia Yim ran out, and even the odds. Lynch tagged her in after beating, uh, after being beaten down. She ran wild. Mia Yim hit a dive, but damage control were working her over following a commercial break. Lynch tagged in, beat Kai, and chucked her into EO, into the barricade. Lynch hit Kai with a missile dropkick for two. Lynch and Mia Yim... I refuse to call her Meechin, gave Dakota Kai a double superplex, but Sky broke up the cover. Mia Yim spiked Dakota with some leg scissors, and Bailey put Kai's foot on the bottom rope to break up the cover. Lynch went after Bailey as Mia Yim gave Kai an eat defeat. However, Mia Yim was down. Sky hit the moonsault off the top rope for the one, two, three. Thanks for coming, Mia Yim. You are now in the loss column. On Monday Night Raw, just like everybody else. I mean, I don't really care. I I mean, none of this, none of this matters to me. None of this is exciting. Do you care about damage control? Do you care about Becky Lynch feuding with Bailey and damage control? Do you care about Mia Yim? No. No, you don't. And I got news tomorrow on Becky Lynch and... Ronda Rousey, apparently. I I might as well talk about it now. I'll talk about it tomorrow, too, but, I mean, it's not good for Ronda Rousey, and it's not good for Becky Lynch, because, apparently, WWE, the plan was for Ronda Rousey to defend the SmackDown Women's Championship against Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania. Now, that obviously has changed, Because Charlotte Flair has taken control of the SmackDown Women's Division. And now we are getting a Charlotte reign of terror on Friday night. Which I I can't see anybody being excited about at all for Friday Night SmackDown. But the other thing is, Ronda Rousey, what does she do at WrestleMania now? What does Ronda do at WrestleMania? Nobody knows. 
Nobody knows what Ronda does at WrestleMania, and people were even predicting that maybe we do Ronda Rousey and Becky Lynch at WrestleMania. According to Wrestling Observer, they reported that Ronda Rousey versus Becky Lynch was no longer in the plans for the biggest wrestling show of the year. Over the weekend, Fightful Select was able to confirm this. Now, while they haven't been able to confirm that Rousey versus Rhea Ripley is the plan either, one top talent said that they still expect Ronda to have a big-time WrestleMania match in April. Talent that Fightful had spoken to did confirm that most involved thought the original WrestleMania 35 match should have been a one-on-one match, as Steve Muehlhausen noted on Twitter. A source familiar with the situation said that Becky Lynch did not seem bothered by this notion that the match was no longer happening, but there wasn't an update on what her match at the show is currently planned to be. You know, I find it hilarious how people jumped on my fucking dick during WrestleMania 35 when I called it out exactly how it was. It should have been Ronda and it should have been Becky one-on-one. It was going to be Charlotte Flair versus Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania. And then Becky Lynch happened and Nia Jax broke her nose. WWE did not expect Becky Lynch to catch on absolute fucking volcanic fire during that year. And they had no choice but to listen to the fans because all the fans wanted was Becky. And they had to run with Becky. You know how WWE does not want to listen to its fucking fans. They had to listen to the fans in regards to Becky Lynch. It was affecting Ronda. It was affecting Charlotte. So they had to make the match a triple threat match. Now, I don't know who you think you are or what your opinion is or what you know. Charlotte Flair should have absolutely never been a part of the WrestleMania 35 main event. I honestly think Charlotte Flair took the match and ruined the match. And I find it laughable because it's exactly why we all hate Charlotte Flair. She's got to be in this. She's got to be in that. She's got to fucking be everywhere with a world championship. She comes back after seven months being away. She's in a fucking championship match. She comes back after being away for a year. She's in a fucking title program. I mean, there's no work involved for Charlotte to get involved. WWE makes it very easy for you to hate Charlotte Flair. She should not have been a part of the WrestleMania 35 main event. I'm sorry. God forbid Charlotte wasn't a part of the first ever women's main event of WrestleMania. Sucks to be Charlotte, huh? Someone else on your on your roster, in your division, got hotter than you could ever imagine at the same time and took your WrestleMania spot away. It should have been the one-on-one match. Ronda and Becky should have had a one-on-one match because that match was built perfectly that year. And now, four years later, they're talking about... If this was the rumor earlier in the year. This was the rumor. Becky, Ronda, WrestleMania 39 in Los Angeles. I would not ever in a thousand lifetimes touch this match with a fucking 1,000-foot pole. This is not on my WrestleMania card. Why would it be on your WrestleMania card? 
There is absolutely nobody on this fucking planet, in this community, that would think Becky Lynch or Ronda Rousey at this point in the game is a good match for WrestleMania. In fact, it would absolutely hurt Becky Lynch's stock. That's how awful Ronda Rousey is. So why would you even entertain the idea? Becky Lynch doesn't even want the fucking match to happen. It said that she didn't seem bothered. In other words, she doesn't want the match because she knows exactly what we all know and feel, and Ronda sucks. Ronda peaked at WrestleMania 35. The version of Ronda that you got right now is a Ronda that needs to be exiled from WWE. There's no room for Ronda on WWE TV anymore, and she doesn't deserve a TV spot on SmackDown anymore. She doesn't deserve a WrestleMania spot. I wish Ronda would be fucking excommunicated and banished from WWE. She has had one of the worst title reigns of the modern era for the SmackDown Women's Championship. She's made that division worse. She's made that championship worse. She doesn't even know how to cut a promo. She mistakenly called the Royal Rumble SummerSlam on Friday night. Why would you want this woman anywhere near Becky Lynch? See, the thing is, I find it funny how WWE and the old administration said that Sasha Banks peaked at 30 years old. A certified Hall of Famer peaked at 30 years old in Mercedes Varnado. But Ronda Rousey, they still want to give a big-time WrestleMania match to. Charlotte Flair, 37, 38 years old, coming back after eight months being away, winning a fucking world championship in 15 seconds by doing nothing. She cashed in some imaginary Money in the Bank briefcase to to get a title shot. She booked her own match, right? Wins the championship. Then Then you wonder why Sasha Banks did not return to this fucking... Why would she return to the fucking WWE when you got things like this still happening? She couldn't get on that fucking flight to Japan any fucking quicker. Why are we talking about Ronda Rousey and Becky Lynch? That would make WrestleMania a worse event because that match is on the card. Get rid of it. I'm glad that it's not happening. So what do we do? What do we do with Becky Lynch at WrestleMania? I have no fucking idea. No fucking idea. Bianca Belair and Rhea Ripley should be the match for Monday Night Raw. That's all I know. Rhea Ripley should be winning the Royal Rumble. Bianca Belair, Rhea Ripley, Raw Women's Championship. Charlotte Flair and Raquel Rodriguez, I would assume, would be the SmackDown Women's Championship on Friday Night SmackDown for WrestleMania. I don't know anybody else. Sasha's not going to be there. What do you do with Becky? What do you do with Becky at WrestleMania? I don't know. Sound off in the comments below. Now, the other rumor is, the other rumor is that Cody Rhodes, Cody Rhodes would be wrestling John Cena at WrestleMania. This is something I don't want to see happen at all. So after the Becky Lynch news was reported in the same article, it goes without saying, says Feifel, that we're told that anything that Vince McMahon had in mind for next year's WrestleMania before his departure isn't set for the show any longer. Ahead of Vince leaving, it was presumed that Cody Rhodes would end up competing for the WWE Championship at the show. However, sources in Korea have told Fightful that while that was assumed, it wasn't outright outright told to them. And it would not be outright told to them because, I mean, WWE wants to keep shit uh, pretty much on the hush-hush 
for WrestleMania. They're not going to outright give the Royal Rumble winner away. The Royal Rumble winner is going to challenge whoever the champion is at WrestleMania. WWE does want Logan Paul and The Rock for the show, but we've gained no confirmation on whether or not they will appear. John Cena's status was also unclear to us, and internal conversation shifted from Austin Theory to Logan Paul against John Cena. But we can confirm that other top talent was pushing to work with him as far back as July for WrestleMania. There had actually been pitches within the company at one point for Cody Rhodes versus John Cena, but we haven't heard that discussed since the regime change. So there's nothing to worry about here, folks. This was an idea of the past administration. John Cena versus Cody Rhodes is something that I would avidly love to see on WWE television before John Cena retires for good. I would love to see that. I think that would be tremendous, possibly for a WWE championship. Imagine John Cena chasing Cody Rhodes for the 17th world title run. I think that would be fantastic. But this was an idea, a thought of the old administration. The match doesn't even make sense. The match doesn't make sense with what we need to do here. Cody Rhodes was given a vignette, and they documented his return and his rehabilitation. They're not documenting Cody Rhodes and his comeback to the WWE to go one-on-one with John Cena, who's going to go away for the remainder of the year until probably the end of the year for WWE. What good would it do Cody Rhodes if he beats John Cena? He didn't come back to the WWE to wrestle John fucking Cena. He came back to the WWE to win the WWE Championship. Why would you deviate away from that plan? I don't give a fuck who you have in mind for Cody Rhodes. It's nobody but Roman Reigns. And if you're going to get Dwayne, if you're going to get The Rock, Cody is going to wrestle Roman on one of the nights at WrestleMania, and Rock is going to wrestle him on the other. And Cody Rhodes should win the Royal Rumble. I don't want to hear any fucking person tell me, oh, it needs to be this guy or Rollins or it needs to be Edge or Lesnar or who Drew McIntyre. There is nobody in this company more suited to win the Royal Rumble but Cody Rhodes. Oh, but JD, it's predictable. I don't give a fuck about predictable. I give a fuck about story. I give a shit about logic. Cody comes back. He gets injured. He goes out a hero. He comes back. He enters the Rumble at number one. He wins the Rumble. He goes to WrestleMania. He documents everything he wants to do in regards to the WWE Championship. And you don't want to put him in the WWE title match at WrestleMania. The reason why he's back is because he wants to win the title for his father. Give me predictable. Inject that shit into my bloodstream. Nobody ever said predictable was bad. Stone Cold Steve Austin won the WWE title at WrestleMania 14 in one of the most predictable matches I've ever seen in my entire life. Does that make Austin's run initially bad? Did it not need to happen? Was it not supposed to happen? Who gives a shit? Who gives a fuck? I don't care. Cody 
and Roman at WrestleMania. I don't want to hear anybody else tell me otherwise. If you do, you are wrong. It is not your opinion. You are a fucking idiot. You are wrong. Until you come up with a logical individual better suited for Roman than Cody, shut the fuck up. It's going to be and it has to be Cody Rhodes. You don't like Cody? Tough shit. Get used to him. He's going to be the biggest baby face that this company has never seen. Now, good luck on booking him because WWE can't book baby faces, correct? Moving on. We got a Bronson Reed video package. It's great. Guy makes his debut two weeks ago. Big splash, big tsunami splash off the top rope. We don't see him this week. No Bronson Reed, no Miz, no nothing. I guess they forgot to book him into the show. They were too busy booking uh, Meachin and Hardy, country music artist, Hardy, Tom Hardy into the fucking show. Give me a break. Dominic Mysterio. We got Dominic Mysterio. If you guys saw this on social media, he crashed his father's, his family, and their New Year party their New Year's party. Apparently the cops were called. Rey Mysterio called the cops on his son Dom. They took him away in a squad car, police vehicle, jailed him on New Year's Eve. There was a sit-down interview with Dominic. He's wearing a plain white t-shirt and a plain white background. He said sadness isn't a bad thing to feel. He said the absence of feeling is what prison is like. He says he's not playing a game. He says he served hard time and survived. He said prison changes a man. He stood up. He smiled. He had a toothpick in his mouth. And he says he's just getting started. This was good. Good. Dominic is gaining some reputation by being a hardened criminal. Now we can see Dominic show up on TV looking like a fucking thug to mommy, Rhea Ripley. He had the toothpick in his mouth. I thought this was very Razor Ramon-esque. Chico. Good stuff. Austin Theory. He went one-on-one with Seth Rollins for the United States Championship. This is the title on Monday Night Raw because there is no world championship on this show. Not yet, anyway. But I thought they killed it. I thought this was a great main event. 24 minutes they went. They were given plenty of time to tell their story. This went through two commercial breaks. It wasn't as terrible as I expected it to be with the commercial breaks. I expected at least four. But Rollins and Theory had a great match. Rollins hit a superplex. Actually, he hit a superplex, but not before Theory. He counted a pedigree. Rollins had a backbreaker. Rollins went for a superplex, went to transition into a Falcon Arrow, but Theory beat him to it, hit a neck breaker for a two count. They traded strikes until both men went down. They got up, traded strikes again until Rollins hit consecutive rolling elbow strikes. Rollins went for the curb stomp, but his knee gave out and he couldn't hit the move. Theory left the ring, grabbed his belt, and was about to leave, but Rollins went after him. Theory tried to hit him with the belt, but Rollins hit a super kick and a big frog splash off the top row. Beautiful looking frog splash 
for a very close near fall. Theory shoved Rollins into the referee by mistake, and the original referee went down. Rollins hit a pedigree, and a second referee ran down, and he tried to cover Theory off the pedigree, and he only got a two-count. Rollins started arguing with the referee, but there's nothing the referee could do because he had to run down the aisle, and that gave Theory a few seconds at least to catch his composure here, so he kicked out of the pedigree. Theory almost shoved Rollins into the new ref, but the ref kind of shielded himself. As the ref was looking away, Theory gave Rollins a low blow. Theory followed with a chop chop block and then his finish A-Town down for the one, two, three. And Austin Theory, following the low blow and the finishing move, pins Seth Rollins to retain the United States Championship. Excellent match. Uh, The last, uh, I would say, half of the match going down the stretch was excellent stuff. And the crowd, they were pretty quiet all night in in Tennessee and Nashville, but they really came alive with the entrance of Rollins and then the ending of the match. They really kind of, they I don't know where this fucking crowd was all night. I mean, they, they were jumping out of their fucking seat for these near falls with Rollins in theory. So they showed up in the last 10 fucking minutes of the match and they were dead for most of the show, which is typical of a Monday Night Raw because the fucking three hours is just sucking the life out of people. But all in all, this was a a very uneventful Monday night. There's nothing new that happened here. You're not going to sit, sit here and uh, and claim that this was a groundbreaking start to the new year. I mean, it's more of the same by WWE. There's, there's not really much exciting or excitement going on right now in WWE until we get to the Royal Rumble. That's when things are really amplified. You know, we got a lot happening this week. Monday Night Raw was all hype. It, it was kind of a letdown. SmackDown was fucking overhyped as fuck with the John Cena and Kevin Owens tag team against Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn. That shit was disappointing as fuck. John Cena got 45 seconds in the goddamn match, and the match went nine minutes. I mean, that's just inexcusable. Monday Night Raw was a disappointment. They hyped this shit up. First Raw of the new year, nothing. We got Legends Raw coming up sometime in January. We got Wrestle Kingdom 17 this week. We got the new AEW Dynamite debuting on Wednesday in Seattle. Should be a big show. Friday Night SmackDown has been great. I mean, Monday Night Raw, man, they got to catch up. They are by far the worst show for the week. I don't know what they need to do. But whatever the fuck they're doing, man, there's no excitement on Monday night. None. Anyway, that's all I got for you guys here tonight, man. I appreciate you all very much for hanging out with me in the OTS venue. If you learned something new here tonight, man, or if you enjoyed the post show, make sure you guys hit that thumbs up. We got 866 likes right now. Can we get 1,000 likes minimum? Tonight on Monday Night Raw's post show, man. Super Chats are open. Get them on in. We're going to hang out in just a little bit. Memberships are always open. Get them on in. Become a VIP right here on Off The Scripts. Emotes, badges could be yours, man. And they are exclusive to this show. So get them on in. And go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel. Everything you need is on the homepage. 
Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications and follow me on social media at JD for NY 206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Tonight's show sponsored by Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. Code JD at checkout. Guys, I know it's pretty humid out there, man. It was uh, 55 degrees in New York City today, man. I love it. I love it. Before you know it, it'll be down to the fucking uh, teens. But don't let the winter get to you, man. Don't let that winter chill get into the bedroom, man. It can remain summer all year long in the bedroom, as long as you got blue chew. Confidence can take you far in life, guys, and that's where Blue Chew comes into play, especially when it comes time to spend time in the bedroom with that special someone. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets, comes at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, plan ahead, be ready whenever that opportunity arises. The process is very simple, bluechew.com. Consult with one of their online licensed medical providers. And once you are approved, you're going to receive your prescription within days. The best part is it's all done online. No waiting in line. No awkward conversations. No visits to the doctor's office, which I know could be stressful for a lot of people. And Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA, and they are prepared and shipped directly to you in a very discreet package. We're Blue Chew men everywhere. are excited to see the postman. Because when your package has arrived, <laughs> your package has arrived. Guys, take that confidence with you in the bedroom. Blue Chew's going to help you out. Try it for free. BlueChew.com. Code JD at checkout. All you guys have to do is pay the $5 shipping and handling. Let's get into the Super Chats, man. But first, I want to shout out. Some of my fellow VIPs, we got Sassy2208, Daniel Dixon, Drake Bagley, West Coast Samoan, Wayne Every, Kenzie Retro, Roxas1969, and Darius Jones became a new member today, right here on OTS. Everybody else, man? You guys re-upped. I love to see the commitment to the VIP club, man. Thank you guys very much. Super Chats. Let's start at the top here, man. Joseph Taylor with a $5 Super Chat. JD, what is your favorite Royal Rumble match not named the Royal Rumble? That's a tough one, bro. Um... I don't know. I would have to think about that. I, I mean, I'm I'm such an old school guy, man. I'm thinking, I'm thinking '90s. I loved the Brett Razor WWF title match at the 1993 Royal Rumble. I loved the Brett Diesel match, I believe, in 1995. I would probably say the Undertaker Yokozuna casket match in 1994. I mean, it's just so nostalgic to me. You know, I know there have been better matches. You know, you got your Eddie, uh, not Eddie. You got your Rey Mysterio's and Kurt Angles and, and whatever the case may be, your Benoit's and all, all that shit. But 
I I just love that match. I thought I thought that match was booked brilliantly. And you know, watching that match as a child, you you never really seen anything like that, and you were upset. You were physically upset about the creative booking in that match. It was crazy. Matt, the PW fan, with a twenty dollars super chat. Now I could be wrong about this one. But on today's episode of Being the Elite, I saw Kota Ibushi towards the end of the episode. Would you be interested in seeing a Golden Lovers reunion and for them to make a run at the AEW Tag Team titles? Absolutely. I totally would. And if Kota Ibushi is done with New Japan, I mean, AEW is going to have a working relationship with New Japan. He's not going to really be out of the New Japan family. It's going to be interesting to see what uh, Ghetto and Rocky Romero feel about him jumping to AEW. But I'd love to see him in AEW. He's incredible. Sidro with a $5 super chat. My buddy told me he has a new hobby. He takes pictures of salmon in different kinds of clothes. It's like shooting fish. In apparel. Sidra with a five dollar super chat. How does Goldberg like his tea? He brews it. Crowd liked that one. Crowd liked that one, man. Thank you, Sidro. The OTS resident comedian. Michelle Moran with a $2 Super Chat. Bloodline invaded Raw. KO will probably invade SmackDown. More than likely. More than likely. Uh, I think KO and Roman are going to have their title match at the Royal Rumble, so I would assume he's going to be on SmackDown. Dom Wapo. Well, they won 99. Boy, did that Dom Mysterio promo make me laugh. Yeah, it was pretty It was pretty entertaining, man. Pretty entertaining. Matt, the PW fan, with a $10 super chat. I couldn't focus on Raw after what I saw that went down on Monday Night Football tonight. I have never seen anything like that before, but prayers to DeMar Hamlin. Indeed. Tony Brown. With a 199 Super Chat, he said, I enjoyed some parts. Yes, the booty meat parts that he saw in the open with Alexa and Bianca. I know you, Tony Brown. Nick Williams. Final Super Chat. I guess you could say Alexa Bliss embraced the hate. Am I right? I guess she embraced the hate. I guess she embraced the hate. You're right. Thank you, Nick. Tyler with a 199. Let's hope Omas is in the performance center. Let's hope Omas is on unemployment. Nick Williams with a $10 super chat. I finally started my Final Fantasy 14 walkthrough on YouTube today. Bloodline going full NWO-like. Holy cow, shocked, confused, sad about what happened in the Cincinnati-Buffalo game. Thoughts and prayers to him. 
Good luck with that Final Fantasy 14 walkthrough, brother. I never played Final Fantasy 14. I stopped at 12. I stopped at 12. The last one I played was the remake of 7, which I loved. Shadow Arts, $2 Super Chat. Thank you for the birthday gifts. This is Tony. Ashley's friend. Oh, Shadow Arts. Thank you, brother. Thank you so much, bro. I appreciate you, man. Dre Lavelle with a $2 super chat. Happy New Year, JD. Here's to many more. Hashtag OTS for life. Thank you, Dre. I appreciate you, man. Thank you for the love. And happy New Year to you too, brother. Kaushik Saikumar. With a one-month membership in the VIP club. I appreciate you, bro. Love what you're doing, JD. Was looking forward to some major return tonight. Edge, but a banger of a main event. So overall, an above-average Raw. KS, more to come. KS, thank you so much for the one-month, brother. Love to see the commitment to the VIP club. Joseph Taylor with a five-dollar super chat. Not only did The Miz... First, Damian Priest, that backlash 2021 get criticized by people on Twitter. It won worst match of the year for 2021. And the women's division didn't really start off on the right foot for 2023. Chill vibes with 20 months. Thank you, brother. Just showing some love. Thank you, chill vibes. 20 months, bro. Four more months and you got yourself a gold microphone, man. Guys, we need 70 more likes for 1,000. I got 1,900 still in here, man. I know there are 70 of you that did not hit the thumbs up. I'm looking at you. Hit the thumbs up for 1,000 likes, please. Script Keeper with 17 months. 17 months and counting. I love this podcast. I can't wait until we do these streams inside your mother's basement. Bro, I'm telling you, man, this may be the absolutely best design ever. Darius Jones with a new membership. Thank you, brother. What are you drinking tonight, man, to celebrate? Bradley Robinette, 199. J.D. Nashville is amazing. You will enjoy it. I hope so. Ricardo Linnell with a 199. Uh, No, no, no. That's Bradley Robinette. I'm sorry. Ricardo Linnell with 29 months. Thank you, Ricardo. Happy New Year, OTS family. Shots on me and prayers for Damar Hamlin. Thank you, J.D., for giving us the best. Then the IWC as we enter 2023. Hashtag fuck Bill Goldberg. Thank you, Ricardo. The Pro Wrestling Podcast. $2 Super Chat. Happy New Year to all. Happy New Year, bro. DX Tricksters. 18 months. Who's worse, Kevin Patrick or Adnan Verk? Bro, Adnan's worse, but Kevin Patrick is fucking awful. 
Not today, Jay, with a 499 Super Chat. Jay, the I love you. But you have to let this thing with Bright play out. You have to remember this is Triple H's Bright, not Vince's Bright. This could turn out great. No. I'm not giving anything a chance. The Alexa Bliss sucked then, and the Alexa Bliss thing will suck now. No matter what they do. Tyler with a 199. Hopefully Seth is not legitimately hurt. I hope not either. We need Seth in the Royal Rumble. Joseph the Gamer with a uh, $5 Super Chat. Joseph the Gamer 15 with a $5 Super Chat. Wrestling fans think Supernatural is creative and saving wrestling because they hate flips and dives in wrestling. Well, those people could fucking fuck off. Honestly. M. James 2000. What would you think about a Cody Rose versus Brock Lesnar match in the far future? I think you could have elements of Punk Lesnar. Sure. Don't want to see it now, but sure. Captain Solo with an 18 months. Charlotte beating Ronda on SmackDown after being away seven months was just as bad as Hogan beating Yokozuna at Mania 9 out of nowhere. Is Vince back? He may be. I have no idea. Tyler Sneed with a 499. W post show stream. I know it's off topic, but what is the greatest hog match that you've called? I want to watch it. Anthony Gangone versus the Amazing Red in a no ropes match. Absolutely loved it. Captain Solo with a $5 Super Chat. Have a happy and prosperous New Year, JD. 2022 was a wild ride here on OTS. Here's to an even better 2023 OTS for life. 1,000 likes minimum, says Captain Solo. Absolutely. We need 25 more likes for 1,000. Joseph King with 11 months. White versus Okada. And Osprey versus Omega. Wrestle Kingdom 17 is going to be amazing. Are you looking forward to these two matches? I'm looking forward to Osprey and Omega. For sure. Osprey and Omega has JD written all over. And I'll be watching to see my girl Mercedes Varnado. I don't know if I'm going to be watching uh, in the morning when it's live, but I may catch up with it when I wake up and I have a nice breakfast and a nice cup of coffee. Uh, yeah, Jesse, can you go clean the puke in the uh, men's bathroom, bro? Apparently someone had too much of a good time, bro. I don't know what's wrong with these fucking degenerates, man. They're dirtying my bed. I got one of the most pristine bathrooms anywhere in any bar. So please, and then lock up, please. You left the lights on last night. Fucking guy, man. Jesus Christ. This guy never gets anything right. Jeremy Lewis with a $10 super chat. Dominic said from the police car that he wouldn't make it in jail. Two weeks later, he's, legitimate, he's legitimized as a hardened criminal. I did see some Ressa Ramon in Dom. And also, he's Eddie's incarnate in that promo. Yeah, I seen a mixture of Eddie. I seen a mixture of Ressa Ramon. 
The late Scott Hall, the late great Scott Hall. Good stuff. It's the best Dominic's looked. Anyway, guys, that's all I got for you on this first post-show of 2023. You guys killed it tonight, man. Thank you so much. Hopefully you enjoyed the stream. Make sure you guys go check out all the other content on the channel. YouTube Shorts will be live for Dynamite on Wednesday. I'll have an extra for you tomorrow. We're going to get the content pumped out this January, man. It's Royal Rumble season. I want everybody on board with OTS. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Let me see. Those Mustang emojis, the Ace emojis, the Rock On emojis in the chat, and I need that music on max. Guys, I will see you tomorrow with some extra, and Jesse and I will be live on Wednesday for a brand new era of AEW Dynamite right here on Off The Script. I'll see you guys later.